Welcome to the World of Koth Players Podcast, where we discuss old-school role-playing from the player's perspective. I'm Legitimate Mustard, I play Ferrum, and I'm here tonight with... I'm Vig Agriff, better known as Vig, the vivacious elven cleric magic user. Hi, I am Gus, and I play Mira, and I'm a druid thief. Hi, I'm Cognac, and I play Jazz, I'm an elf fighter. I'm Exploding Kitten, I play Evelyn, and I'm a Ranger Cleric. Excellent. So a quick recap of the previous session. Um, We collected uh, the coins from the Harpy Nest and proceeded to um, pack those up and head back towards town. We passed the burned compound of the the weird family from the north. Um, We met a child who was looting the compound decided to check him for disease. He was free of disease, but he had been looting the compound a little bit. So we talked to him for a bit, and then we sent him home uh, with some warnings probably not to go back to the compound, and and that there were some other dangers in the area to maybe stay away from. Um, Somebody looked into the pit that had been the the well with the necro disease in it. Um, I don't remember who, but they recognized that the necro disease was still alive, in quotes, um, I guess that was probably uh, Vig. And so it was determined that we had to do something about the necro disease. So we used a dead body to kind of bait it out. That kind of went okay, but it also didn't go so great. Um, Ferrum threw a flask of oil onto the body of this creature, which had kind of a pseudo-human form with two tentacles. Mira cast fire onto the creature. Yes, she did. And let's see. The party fought the creature for a bit. Um, Necro disease got on Evelyn, Vigar, and Urnkel. Um, Eventually the party was able to kill the creature with fire and multiple attacks from just about every party member. Um... Once the creature was dead, Ferrum lit himself on fire with some oil that had been on his body and used that fire to remove the necro disease from Evelyn. Um, Petter was able to stabilize Urkel, who was um, pretty injured in that as well. Uh, Vigar, we didn't have anyone to, to, to heal Vigar, so... Uh, we gave him a piece of leather to bite, and the party attempted a field surgery to remove the disease from his chest. Um, the disease was removed, but the surgery very nearly killed Vigar. Had to remove a lot of his, like his lungs and important organs that kind of reside in the chest. Um, the party exhausted all of their healing spells to stabilize him and keep him from dying, um, including Petter, who used a, a lane laying on of hands um, and was a little bit surprised that that worked. Um, 
At that point, Evelyn activated the Fey Dragon, which then shrank Vigar for the price of 10 copper. Uh, so Vigar was then shrunk to a very small size um, so that he was easily transportable. Um, the party put together a stretcher from wood pieces and tent scraps, and the dragon, the fey dragon started to get bored, started to dig around the well, probably really bad that it's doing that. Um, off in the distance to the north, there was a large gray horse standing on a small snow-covered hill that was observing the party. And that's pretty much it. So, any thoughts on the session, um, on the last session, just in general? Other than we have a really annoying fey dragon that is going to really annoy Vig. Oh, I love the fey dragon. That's the best. It is the best. It's really interesting that it has the magical abilities that it does. I... I wonder what other magical abilities it has and how powerful it actually is. It seems very playful. It does. Um, <laughs> well, meta fey dragons are they're they are playful, they're mischievous. They have a lot of fairly high-end magical abilities. They can deflect magic. There's a lot of things these guys can do. They're also exceedingly intelligent. And Annoying as all hell. Yes, they're uh, mischievous with, and and able to be extremely mischievous because of their intelligence and their abilities. So, yep, this will capitalize be... mischievous, yeah, and then square it. <laughs> so that'll probably cause problems at certain points. So we'll have to figure out how to how to contain the chaos of the Fey Dragon and utilize it for our benefit um, as well. Um, that's probably going to be challenging, but we'll have to figure it out. So I'm going to a little bit of a digression here with something that's been bothering me as a player. It's Petter. Petter, yeah. Petter's so Petter's a fallen, a fallen paladin, maybe. It, it's it's not that he's a fallen paladin, and we've seen this in other episodes. He's overpowered as far as this party goes. And this is my personal opinion, so feel free to disagree with me. And I'm not saying he's coming very handy. He saved us many times. But in my personal opinion as a player, you shouldn't have an overpowered NPC in the party to save your ass when things go south. That's probably it's true. Shame on, us, shame on us for getting ourselves in there, or shame on the campaign for setting that up. But... I'm not saying he has not been exceedingly helpful and played exceedingly well and saved our, pardon my language, butts many times. He has, even right now. Without him, um, we'd have a dead character. We would, yeah. Absol would absolutely. But we're level 1, level 2, level 3, so he's obviously a higher level. I, I think that he is at least level 4, uh, based yes. on some reading into the player's handbook. Um, I would say that he is at the minimum level four. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Vig, I think there's probably a good reason for it. And I also think that something is going to probably bite us in the butt later. So maybe we're getting some payoff now. And then in the future, we find out there's some evil things going on, especially with this weird horse we saw. I mean, that that is 
very strange and a little scary. And we know that Petter right now is, what, almost unconscious with how weak he is from using his spells. Yes. I mean, it's a huge mystery and we have no idea what's going on. So there's always give and take here, right? So I got a, I got a theory about the horse. So there's the gray, gray horse that showed up watching the party from a distance. Um, my theory is that that is Petter's war horse. Um, so that means, well, I mean, okay, so paladins get, are, paladins are able to call to them a war horse when they reach level four. Um, and they're able to call one war horse to them every 10 years. So if that one dies or abandons the paladin, which I don't think they'll do, but they might, um, he can, he could call another one in 10 years. Um, I think that, I think that Petter leveled up at the same time that the rest of the party did just recently and achieved level four and became eligible to have a war horse. And I think that that's his war horse that just showed up, um, which is why I think he's a little level four character. Um, cause I've been metagaming and reading the player's handbook quite a bit about paladins. Um, cause it's really interesting what's happening with Petter. Um, so I think that that's, that's my theory about what, what that was. Um, what that means, I think is that Petter isn't a fallen paladin that he has maybe changed his alliance to a different God, maybe based on the types of experiences that he's had and the, um, the way that he's interacting with the world. Uh, he had a vision sounds like about, um, the a goddess of chaos, um, which would be pretty counter to his, um, his, his thoughts and his, um, his worldview. So that's a little bit odd. I'm not sure what that means, but I think he's still a paladin. Previously, he has been kind of removed from his church kind of unceremoniously because he supported, um, what was the girl's name? Cammy. Cammy, yeah. So he, he supported Cammy. And that proved to be a mistake. However, Petter never, he never uh, did anything that would be considered evil himself. He unknowingly followed the wrong person and followed someone who was, you know, into evil things, but he didn't, he didn't knowingly do that. And that wouldn't negate him from being a, uh, a paladin anymore. He would just, you know, it would be problematic for him, much like our party is very pro problematic for him. He won't be able to stay with us for very long um, because some of our party are neutral or um, some of them might be evil um, and he can't stay with, uh, he can't stay with a party that has those alignments in them. So he will leave our party at some point. Can he stay with, um, people who are chaotic or do they have to be lawful they have to have some sort of a good alignment they can be neutral or oh well i mean they can be chaotic good or um lawful good or or neutral good but yeah they have to have a good alignment. we have evil in our group no I but think we do have neutral have done something good we yeah. do have neutral yeah and we have some of us apparently that are 
intending evil, although I disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, there may be some also, intending evil, so... Legitimate mustard, just to um, issue a correction, which I love doing. <laughs> the god of chaos is Skos, which I'm very familiar with because of my previous character. Okay. The goddess of suffering oh, is yeah. Saint. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, so she is just hurting people to become strong i guess whereas ghost is more like we'll just have complete chaos and death and destruction to to feed upon yeah yeah which is you know splitting hairs but <laughs> but i wonder like why would she why would he see sane over ghost is it because he's suffering and maybe he's praying to a god that also is um rules over suffering that could be but the other side of that coin for um for that god is um is pleasure so maybe that's something that he's looking for i don't know (laughs) the the dm would never go down that road ever would he never no never he almost Uh, did though with um Relina. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, he almost did in every single campaign we've had with him. Yep. <laughs> well, maybe Peter's into that, but um, we're going to just keep using Eruncle for all of our um, jokes about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, originally I had I had put notes in my in my podcast notes here about the gray horse and was it there for Vigar or was it there for Petter? And so my other theory was that the gray horse was there for Vigar as he died. My my theory was that Vigar might have an evil alignment. I don't know that he does. I don't actually know what his alignment is. Um, but I thought if he had an evil alignment, that horse could be the, um, the precursor to um, a nightmare. And that would mean that um, Petter might be becoming a a Death Knight. Now, again, metagaming, um, Death Knights can be can come from generally they come from Blackguards, um, but that's not the only path to becoming a Death Knight. You could also strong fighters could become Death Knights as well, and Petter is a strong fighter. So that was another theory that I had. I don't think that that's correct at this point i think that that i'm fairly uh, i would say that i'm 80 percent certain that that horse is petter's um war horse at this point but not sure metagaming petter also mentioned that in his vision um the priest of sen was talking about the old ways religion which in the other campaign is what we're discovering about the old ways religion and our Priest of Sen activated the old ways religion. What do you mean? Yeah, t- tell Jane. me more about the old ways. <laughs> um, basically, it's a religion. Um, that's they're following the different elementals. Oh. Um. Yeah. In, they, can you help? <laughs> sure. Yeah. In the other campaign that we have, um that we're playing uh basically the uh salt campaign we came across an temple to the old four elemental gods that had been buried what are the four elemental gods 
earth, air, fire. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the base one, and they really hadn't been worshipped there, but we found their rune stones, and the rune stones selected the specific characters. Like mine has one. Um, I think you know, four of us have one of these rune stones, and we activated the rune stones, which means we really, in a sense, activated and brought the elemental gods, the old gods, back into this realm. So had they been sealed away? Is that what? Yes. Yes. Oh. Oh. Well, that's interesting. This sounds really cool. Yeah. Hmm. It sounds yeah. slightly and, problematic, potentially, but, you know. And we had a cow with a fire-spewing udder. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Well, you know, horses can have udders, too. They're like, Mongolians drink so much horse milk, this could be a thing. So maybe totally. it's a nightmare, but also a fire-milk nightmare. A like, Can you imagine like what kind of drink we could do with like burning milk out of a flaming udder? Oh, fermented milk, nothing better. <laughs> so, but I mean, this could tie. You know, what yeah, Evelyn said was 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 right. Uh, she's absolutely correct to bring this up because we activated the old gods. We've really brought back the old gods here. Now, the only other place that would have knowledge of the old gods readily available is probably one person in the party. That would be Vig. Yeah, because the elves would have the most knowledge of that. The elves have the elves have the knowledge and Vig comes from the academic elven tradition where he has studied these. So the in the party really the only one that would that would have formal knowledge of them would be Vig. Well, also, since they worship the elementals, Mir might have some knowledge of this past religion, like the other druid in the other campaign, Talina, did. That's probably a good point. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to for the player characters to talk with the DM about this and see what kind of background information um, their characters might have on the old the old ways. And um, and then metagame the crap out of that. And... <laughs> I was going to so, say, I definitely would have to uh, do some metagaming and talking to the DM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe do some reading and some research. We'll yep. see. Yeah, I think that's, that's completely allowed, though. You can always ask the DM, hey, do I know anything about the elementals? Like, I did that for the horse. I was like, does Jazz know anything about horses and and this kind of thing like but i don't so i'm pretty yeah. uneducated <laughs> well i'm just learning that there are elementals so yeah it's not this is cool well, it's like you... avatar the last airbender yeah, yeah. <laughs> you the player are learning that but your character may have i mean right very potentially could have quite a lot of knowledge about that which is kind yeah. of kind of fun and exciting as you um, learn about the knowledge that your your character has, and 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 expand on their background, uh, which I think is really fun. Absolutely. And to be clear, uh, Vig is not really going to share any of this knowledge with a non-elf. No, Vig is, Vig would never do that. Um, no, it's it's not something that um, the elves would do. Uh, they're very protective of that that kind of knowledge. It, Exactly, which is why, you know, Vig refused to uh, talk to Petra about it. I was going to do something a lot worse, but... 
Yeah, actually the, uh, control myself, believe it or not. <laughs> I think that um, if we if we kind of look back at some of the um, information that we got in previous campaigns, one of the reasons that the elves survived the Starfall event is because of their knowledge of the old ways and um, old magic. And mm-hmm. without that knowledge, they're probably wouldn't be any elves left Um, so i would imagine that that is seen to that to the elves as a tactical advantage and very important to uh, protect that knowledge and keep it for themselves you are exactly correct but dear brother you also have an affinity for drugs and a lot of time knowledge spills out when you're on drugs too so we, we might hear some of it Yes, you might know. Let me back that up. This is all character development and how you play your character. Okay, There's one way to play a character just, okay, we have a task, let's work together, team, maximize our strengths to get this task done. The way I'm playing Vig, Vig was a university brat. Okay, We were all there. I mean, I would have stayed in university my whole life. I can really emphasize with this. He lived in books. It's a nice protected environment. He didn't want to leave. He was ripped out of there, tossed out, and said, you're now being an envoy. So what is he going to do? He doesn't like this. There's no books. There's no warm place to go. This is wet. I don't have paper. I don't have these manuscripts to read. I can't disappear for 12 hours and tell everyone to go away. So So what do you do? Experiment. You've got it. Exactly. That's the way I'm playing Vig. So Vig is having a forcefully removed from academia quasi-breakdown. Yes, and to be honest, that is the way I am playing the character. Absolutely. Yep. Um, okay, so I think really key to to the sessions or to where the session's going to go right now, will Vigar survive? Yes. I think he will. Maybe I, not. I th- I think he will because the DM will do a Hail Mary at the last minute and save him. Oh, I don't think because of that. I think because we have magical people among us, and we have that dragon, and we can rush to the town to get him the help he needs. I hope I, that's I really true. think it. Yeah, I feel like that we've already done a lot. Um, not like a lot, a lot, but like we've all kind of tried our best to kind of like keep him hanging on, and uh, he hasn't died yet, and that's why I think he's going to survive. I think he. And I'm really excited. I want to see how his story goes. Like, he has this affinity with the hunters. I think it could be really helpful for us. So if he dies, it's going to be a big loss to us. And I really don't want that to happen. I think we need to do less time debating and analysis paralysis and choose a thing and start doing it. Yeah. We we have this tendency to debate everything umpteen ways to Friday instead of saying, let's move. Yeah, there's a thing that we kind of learned in the military and that... That is that um, sometimes there's there's always a best way to do things, and there's always a not best way to do things. And there are some times when you need to choose the best way to do things, and there are other times when you need to choose a way and start doing something. And I think that this yep. might be one of those cases where we the most important thing is to get Vig to help, or not Vig, yes. get Vigar to help, and figuring out the best way to do that you know, well, Vig needs help too, but, um, (laughs) the most important thing is to get going we can improve the situation as we're moving, but we need to be moving back to the town. Um, so 
I think it's a slippery slope though, because in our other campaign we're playing Legis, um, with the students, it it tends to be a lot more chaotic where all of a sudden we'll have a player just be like, Well, I'm gonna go to the right and just start walking without the rest of the group. And so then no one is able to give their input and maybe provide some reasoning as to why we need to go away. It's just one person doing it and the rest of the group being like, oh, well, we don't want that person to go alone, so we'll go help them. But the needs of the many outweigh the need of the needs of the one. Yes. And what what I think that that I think what that's describing is a is a group that doesn't have um, clear leadership. And I don't know that our group has clear leadership either. Um, however, we have a number of players who um, who are able to hear a good idea and determine quickly that that's something that is all right to act on. Um, and I know this that we get good ideas from a lot of different people in different situations, and we tend to um, we tend to be able to pick one and move. This situation, we've been kind of metagaming in the in the chat a little bit between sessions, um, and we've been discussing and debating and and kind of pawning over a couple different ways to do things. But in sessions, we have been pretty good about someone has an idea, everyone kind of looks at it and goes, "Yep, that's good enough. We're gonna go with it." And you know, maybe we adjust as we go, but um, but we have been pretty. At least I think we've done pretty good about not getting stuck in analysis on those and debate on those things yeah i mean for instance um i wanted to go look at the the well to go see if that monster was destroyed maybe it wasn't the best idea but we needed to kill this thing so it didn't start killing other people and spread throughout you know the forest yep and i brought it up everyone came to a decision within like probably 30 seconds and we did it or um for when we were trying to decide if we needed to talk to the wolf or not Yep. We all kind of talked about it really quick, and then we decided, yep, we're going to go do this. And that's something I, we, I think we're pretty good yeah, at that, actually. That's something we we did really poorly. I remember in our very first campaign, <laughs> um, we were in... Um, it was like the first dungeon we went into. We basically just sat in the opening um, corridor for like two sessions, because we couldn't get out of that corridor. And so the DM just kept sending more and more stuff at us in this corridor because we wouldn't move. And um, it was really bad. It was real bad. (laughs) Good example. (laughs) Okay, so the most important discussion of of the last session, or of the whole whole campaign. Um, Kel Ronan's character, is it Urkel? Is it Uncle? Is it Wrinkle? Is it Fungal? <laughs> is it Bungle? How do you pronounce Urkel? his character's name? Urkel? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> That's how he typed it last time. Urkel. <laughs> I thought it was Uncle. Or Urkel. I don't know. Er, Uncle? I think that's just too many syllables. We have to do something that makes it one syllable. Or wait, Er, Uncle. That's three syllables. Yeah. Uncle's easy. Wrinkle was just autocorrect on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like I Wrinkle. I think that we should start <laughs> calling him that. Wrinkle. <laughs> I do think our uncle's too long. Should so. we get his input on this? Or no. Are we no, just no, no. Definitely not. <laughs> okay. 
Uncle seems good. He kind of seems like an uncle character anyway. Maybe Wrinkle when we're being sassy. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or Urkel if he's being really just, you know, tedious and weird. <laughs> yep. Yep. I like it. Um, I think that's all the stuff I've got on my list. Is there anything else that you want to um, discuss about the last session or about the... We did a little bit of gaming or a little bit of um, discussion in between in the chat, but I think I'm, I'd like to kind of ignore that and put that into the next next podcast if we can. Legitimate Mustard, how did you feel about the um, the child having a crossbow ah, that he yes. does not know how to use? <laughs> So some background on on me the the person um, I'm I I've been in the military um, I am a competitive pistol shooter and a competitive uh, rifle shooter um, I've worked at a shooting range um, I've sold firearms so it's something that I have an opinion on and the thing that I really have an opinion on about firearms in general is safety and so. We found out that this child that was looting this um, the compound had found a crossbow and was like, hiding this crossbow in, in their barn. And my, my immediate reaction was, oh my gosh, we have to like teach this child some sort of like safety or they're going to hurt themselves. Like, which is me. It's not necessarily my character, but that's like, that's just what I do. And I didn't even recognize what was happening until the DM kind of brought it up later. And I was like, Oh yeah, yep. I did that. (laughs) But there you go. You should, you know, you should look up the four firearms safety rules and memorize those things. Even if you have no intention of ever owning a firearm, they're just really good to know. So (laughs) I I think it was probably on character though. I mean, you have a military character. He probably had a lot of training. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah. I think that that was that was more me than than Ferrum, but um, but yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. It was just like, oh yeah, I guess that just happened. But <laughs> I expect that we're gonna see Benny and his sister Sarah probably dead though. Probably, probably yeah. Good. I imagine that there yeah. something bad will happen of them. Yeah, it always does. Yeah, you can't have good nice things. <laughs> Such are the rules of D and D. True. Um, that's all I've got for the World of Coth Players podcast for tonight. Thanks to everybody for hanging out, and we'll talk again next week. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. Bye.